0: I <laughs> think uh. <laughs> <Anyway. laughs>
1: gun sure looks
0: deadly but it's not the least bit deadly unless I point it at someone and
1: pull the trigger. Gentlemen this is Democracy Manifest. Hello and everybody welcome back to repeal of the 20th century and with me I have my first return guest Dr. Per Uh For those who are unaware would you like to introduce yourself?
0: Sure um I mean I'm an associate professor of entrepreneurship at Oklahoma State University. I'm also a senior fellow with the Mises Institute. I am originally from Sweden now an american um i I guess that covers most of it right
1: yeah i think I think that gets down to the uh the core of um You know your credentials, and I'm so glad to have you back on, especially as my first return guest. um, Because that's quite the honor. Yes, yes. You know, uh, I, I, I definitely my episode with you is a is among my favorites, and I always like talking to you. And ever since we first met at Mises University back in 2021, I was just like, yeah, I, I very much admire this person. So I'm very glad I could have you back, especially something as, as big and something that was a big topic that we talked about w- um, back when we first met, which was your new primer, uh, how to think about the economy, um, which I think has been long overdue that we get a new introduction to Austrian economics. So I wanted to have you on because um, I was surprised I never actually had anyone on to kind of just talk about the basics of Austrian economics. Um, I never really did that with anybody else. And so I said, "Who better than the person who just wrote a primer on it?"
0: Well, I should should be a, a good guest for discussing that topic for sure.
1: Yeah, I I, I think that um, one of the hardest things I think for people getting into Austrian economics and getting into the circle is uh, where to start. Um, people constantly ask me that question, and I've attempted to answer it as best as I could. I usually just tell them what I did. Um, or um, I give them a reading list I made on my sub stack but I think w- what we have really lacked is a comprehensive introduction text we had introduction to uh, Austrian economics by um, Thomas Taylor I believe beforehand but I- it's kind of a rough read if you're not already somewhat versed in economics and so I think it's good that we now have this but um, to actually get into the discussion of what the book is about that being Austrian economics uh, for those who don't know what Austrian economics really is, what is it?
0: Well, I mean that's a, a very common question, and it's, there's no really good answer. I mean, there's no like a soundbite answer. So, I mean, one way uh, one way to answer that question is simply say, well, this is classical standard economics for the past three hundred years. Uh, that is based in verbal reasoning, tr- trying to produce a, a theory based in how people actually act and d- explain how the economy functions based off of that. Mm. So it, it's not about math, it's not about empirical data, it's not about uh, measurement, it's not about uh, equations and regressions and things like that, but it's, it's rather about creating a framework to understand what is going on around us. And of course, there are plenty of things that go into that, like. Uh, the Assumption of subjective value, for instance, uh, you can't really understand the economy without, or at least not the market economy, without economic calculation and entrepreneurship and things like that. So there, there are plenty of parts in it. But if you if you see sort of the, the the long history of economics as a science, trying to study all kinds of of economic phenomena, then Austrian economics is sort of the the most advanced. The uh, most recent uh, version of this sort of evolving body of knowledge, going back all the way to Kantian, at least in the 1730s, through Adam Smith, and and so forth.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that's a pretty good way to kind of explain where we're coming from as as you know Austrian economists or or those who think as an Austrian does about the economy. And I'm glad you brought up subjective value theory uh, because I think there, every school of economics kind of has these baseline assumptions that define you being a part of that school. So I wanted to ask, what are those baseline assumptions that you must you know, ag- agree to to really call yourself an Austrian and begin moving forward thinking about economics as an Austrian?
0: Well, I mean, that's that's really tricky to answer, since if we go back in history, and I, I hate to be a history professor or anything, but um, if you go back 100 years, there were basically three main schools of thought within economics. Just like in, in most disciplines today, you have plenty of different uh, schools of thought. In sociology, you read about Marxist theory and feminist theory and all those things, and they, they coexist. They exist side by side, and you can sort of pick theories from, from each and one of them. Um, Of course sociology is not very reliable so i'm not i'm not saying that's a necessarily a a place to go but but in economics today there's only one school uh and everything else is sort of pushed aside Uh, and most i mean many of the things that austrians were talking about back in the 1920s and 30s and so forth some of some of those things have been adopted by the mainstream so it's sort of a a concoction of of insights from different schools. Of course, it has its basis in certain schools and those are not the Austrian school. Um, so many things are the same and and sometimes people are are sort of not surprised, but they they think, well well why don't well doesn't the Austrian school come to different conclusions? Well, b- simply because the economy is the economy. So it, when other schools of thought have, have come to the same conclusions. That doesn't necessarily mean that that Austrians are wrong or or right or whatever, right? So if we're studying the same thing, well, many are going to come to the same conclusions, even if they use different means. I think t- what makes you an Austrian is really that that you uh, you you are cons- you consistently apply subjective value, mm-hmm. and you start with human action, and it's and. And subjective value of course there are plenty of things that come from that so methodological individualism that only people act groups don't act countries don't act but the people in groups and people in countries act and they might act uh, in unison because they identify with a certain country or with that group or whatever but the, the choice to act is still you the person whether or not you're doing that with shared valuations with someone else or if you're brainwashed even it's still your choice to act. Um, So methodological individualism is at the core and that every action is motivated by what you personally value for some reason. It's something that you want. Why, what, where, when, we can't really answer those questions because economics starts with how you act based on the recognition that you act to achieve something that you for, well, necessarily, must consider valuable, because otherwise you wouldn't act to attain them, right? And from this, we can derive a whole lot of things. So another thing thing that sets Austrians apart is theory first, that we we start by an understanding of what it means to act and what it means to be a human being. And from there, we can then derive things that must be true about people's actions and and when people interact and the outcomes. So things that we see in the economy, we can explain how they arose, not because someone necessarily planned them or, or had a blueprint and then brought it about, but because they simply, uh, they emerge from people's actions. And we can understand that because we understand action. Mm. Uh, many other schools, they're they're sort of inconsistent in, in their application of, of subjective value in, and in their application of methodological individualism and so forth, right? And the, uh, I guess the Marxist school would be the other sort of consistent school uh, simply because they do not recognize subjective value. They they started with objective value. So they're sort of the outliers because most economists, they did away with that uh, back in the 1870s, whereas Marxists, they stick to their, their own uh, view of this, which was, in, in my view, in most people's views, uh, disproven in the 1870s, but they just stick to it. But at least they do so consistently, right? So, so even if their assumption is wrong, uh, they're wrong across the board. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I I think you get into a lot of the interesting things about where the Austrian school of thought is really coming from and where it it derives these assumptions, these theories that we come up with and um, kind of observe about reality. But I kind of also want to get into the observation part of it, um, because something that I have seen as a critique of Austrian economics that I don't think is accurate, but a lot of people kind of, um, misjudge from deriving from methodological individualism, uh, praxeology, these, these coming to understanding of economics through, um, rather than empiricism and, and mathematics, this, um, Reasoning it out and, and and understanding it from these these baselines that we know are you know a priori truths, but they say that oh well Austrians hate math, they hate statistics, they hate all these things. They they can't they have no use for them and they can't do it, you, they can't even deal with them, and it's but but I think that's inaccurate. So I kind of wanted to get into wh- where you think Austrian economics differs from the other schools in its approach to empirics and its usage in economics because I think that's a particular area where there's a big divides between the schools and also a lot of misconceptions about Austrian economics particularly
0: right no I agree uh, that's a common misconception it's also I mean there it's a it's a huge differentiation or, or, or difference between Austrians and non-Austrians But it's also exaggerated quite a bit. So, I mean, Austrians don't hate math. Austrians are not Austrians because we can't do math and all those (laughs) sort of nonsense critiques that you hear quite a bit. Instead, it's about uh, recognizing what theory and economics is about and what it can do. Uh, So yeah, we can observe all kinds of phenomena in the economy, but the problem is that most of these phenomena are intersubjective and they're sort of on an aggregate level. Um, and we can't explain them by simply measuring these things. And most of them aren't measurable either. So one, com- one, one th- example that I use quite a bit is a business firm. We, we tend to think about it in terms of uh, my being, in, my interacting with a business firm. I'm buying things from the business firm, All right? So I go to the Apple store, say, and I, I buy an Apple computer and I pay Apple for it, well, what really happened was that I gave money to some guy in the store that that said Apple, but what happened with those with that money? What, what is actually Apple? If you start to say, well, these guys are actually working for Apple, okay, so remove those. Well, the Apple store—it's not Apple itself, so remove that one. Okay, so what actually actually exists? Well, it's apple itself doesn't actually exist so it's a legal entity so it exists sort of in a formal form legally but many organizations exist even if they don't exist in legal form so you don't have to register with the government to be an organization or be a group right and and many of the things that we deal with in the economy are such things that we all recognize we all understand it and we all act uh with respect to these things but we can't measure them there is no measurement because we we just understand them, but there's like nothing there. So empirically speaking, we can only sort of capture this existence by seeing how people act differently. The problem is we can't really study that phenomenon itself. So if we instead start at the other end and look at, okay, how how do people act and why do people act and how do they interact? We can instead come to the conclusion, yeah, these things matter to people when they act. So I can act thinking that I am interacting with and buying something from Apple, a company, and that helps me. Uh, and and that is why i why I go through with these types of actions, and that explains how I act. Um, but I can't measure it. Mm. So we have to start somewhere else, right? So um, to answer your question, the problem here that Austrians see is that if you start with the math and, and empirics and things like that, you're going to miss a big chunk of the picture.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Even if we only look at the, the present and the observations, we can't actually observe scientifically a business firm or a culture or what makes something an office building and not some other type of building. All of these things, um, they are, they're simply not there in the data. Mm-hmm which makes it really, really hard. So we have to start somewhere else. So there's a huge problem with starting with the data. And if we then look at the economy from Austrian eyes, we realize that the economy is really a process. It's not about the static status quo, it's about where did all this come from and where is it going, right? So very often <clears throat> people look at the economy and they say, oh, these are the companies that are here right now, and this is what, what they're producing. Fine, that's an observation about the present. That is what is now. Well, that is the result of the weeding out process that happened before. That's the result of all the interaction, of all the contracts, of all the actions, of all the imagination and innovation of entrepreneurs and so forth. That created where we are today. And tomorrow, we're gonna be in a different place because there are businesses being started, innovations being tried out, investments being made and so forth. Today, that will completely change how the world looks tomorrow. So we can't just look at the status quo, we have to look at the flow of things and how things change over time. Now this makes it super difficult to capture these things in data because now we have suddenly things that we cannot measure at all, but that we all act with respect to. And then what is here right now is really a product of what was before and what is tomorrow is a, will be a product of what is today and what is emerges today and what will be created today. Well, then, then, then you're in deep shit, to use a technical term, if you use uh, only empirical data, because then you're missing not only a big chunk of, the, of reality, you're missing the whole point. You're missing everything about it, right? So Austrians, uh, therefore, start in economic theorizing, which is, in a sense, just deriving uh, a framework for understanding the world and how it works. We can't rely on empirical data to do that for all for these reasons. So instead, we derive this from econo- from human action, uh, seeing that people act for a certain reason. And we said that before that we act in order to a- uh, attain some end that we value subjectively. What we value, that doesn't really matter. But we know that the structure of action is such that we want to a- attain it, and we want to attain it because it makes us better off than we are today on our own terms, whatever those are, and that. We also know that there is uncertainty because people change their minds all the time and we can't know for certain that we're gonna uh, attain something at a certain point in time. Uh, So based on all these things, we can drive these uh, truths about social interaction and based off of the whole body of theory, we can then interpret what we're seeing. So empirical studies and math and so forth, it's, it's pretty good at explaining or, or describing specifics about the situation. So we can capture a lot of statistics, we can use surveys, what have you, uh, in order to get an, a more deeper insight about a specific phenomenon. So say the Great Depression or inflation today, how does it actually look? Which prices are going up? Which prices are not going up? Uh, where is the money uh, that was printed before? Um, which investments are people no longer making? Things like that, right? Those things do not derive strict, strictly from the action axiom or, or from the structure of action. Instead, those are observations of what, what what is the actual outcome, the specifics of the situation. But we can't understand those things without the theory. So theory must come first. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I mean, mo- most Austrians, are unfortunately, I would say, interested in theorizing and and building the body of theory so that we can better understand the world rather than applying it on empirical research. I mean, there's a fair fair amount of of empirical Austrian research too. Um, Rothbard's America's Great Depression is a good example. he dug into the data to see exactly what happened. And where did he dig? What data did he look at? Well, that's what theory told him was important. So he followed theory and used it as a lens to figure out exactly what happened at what exact times. But you can't do that if you just start looking at stuff and start collecting data, because then you're completely blind, Mm -hmm. right? So empirical research is a a big part of Austrian economics, but it's all about uh, describing specific uh, events or specific phenomena, specific times and things like that. And and to get a deeper knowledge uh, from these specifics, what actually happened day by day, week by week, and so forth during the Great Depression? Um, how do we interpret those things? Well, that's something that data helps us with, but well, or theory helps us with. With, but we can't really in- interpret them without theory, and of course, we can't do that without having the data either. So we need both. So we do both. The, the problem with uh, non-Austrians is that they do not develop theory first and then they move to data and, 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 and use data to get specifics about the situation. Instead, they go back and forth. And that sounds, sounds good on the face of it but the problem is of course that we use data to figure, well, we use theory excuse me, to figure out what data to look at and what the data actually mean.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, if we select and interpret data using theory we can't use that data to verify or falsify the theory, because the data depend on the theory, right? So it it makes complete not it's complete nonsense from from our perspective to use this theory to then produce data that can then undermine or or completely falsify that same theory. That's the the logic of that is just nonsense. Which means that whoever is not an Austrian, um, if we extrapolate a little bit, who does this back and forth, they're either, they're not very certain about the theory. Uh, Their theory is sort of wishy-washy, unreliable hypotheses that can still be falsified and that can still change at any moment. Whenever someone finds another data point, they might go, whoops, demand curves do not slope downwards. Who who would have thought, right? So you, they can't really rely on the theory as much. We can because, to the degree that we've we've uh, produced the theory in a logically stringent manner and not made any mistakes, the theory is true. We can rely on it one hundred percent. So so that's that's a huge difference in in terms of just the reliability of the science.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think you very much covered all the bases when it comes to this um, this question specifically, and put it in a frame of mind that I think a lot of people can understand a lot better, because um, for me it's always been the conceptualization has been Austrians are not against empiric- empirics, but the misuse of empirics, and, and using empirics as a substitute for theory, but also kind of extrapolating further what empirics can tell us because empirics are at the end of the day a snapshot of a moment in reality and even if you put a bunch of those together that's only telling you what has happened before it's not necessarily going to tell you what happens next or even why that happened or or the specifics of how it happened just what happened and um... so i think you you answered that very succinctly um, but it, it does bring me to another point where I see people have confusion and, and talk about Austrian economics. Is they kind of go, well, Austrian economics at the end of the day is just something to justify, uh... you know, free market policies, I, and it doesn't really give any intellectual contributions outside of saying the free market is good and we should have a totally free market. But I, I've seen actually Austrians disagree on this point. But also seen intellectual contributions outside of that that that, that don't really have um, much to do with that. So I kind of wanted to talk about those and um, these areas where actually Austrians disagree. But not only that, the the contributions that exist that are outside of just policy.
0: Yeah, and I mean the. We have an issue here, actually, that that many Austrians, they tend to mix both their libertarianism because, let's be honest, most Austrians are libertarians. So they tend to mix their personal and policy beliefs with the Austrian analysis. And Austrian economics is is not normative in any sense. It's a a body of theory. Um, And I wrote an article once uh, talking about whether the free market economics of, of Austrian economics is is or can be ideological and, and no matter how you look at it, you have to come to the conclusion that it's probably the least ideological of any economic school for the simple reason that we start with action the way action is, the structure of action. It doesn't matter what action people are taking or what they value or what they believe. We look at action is the in, in the purposeful behavior intended to achieve some, some subjectively valued end. Uh, whether right or wrong, we, we don't know. We don't care. It doesn't matter, right? Uh, and from there, we derive logically the economic theory f- as a framework for understanding the world. Now, if, for this to be ideological, we have to either completely misunderstand action and have sort of twisted the nature of action itself in such a way that it becomes ideological. I don't. I'm not even sure how to do that. So so that that, that that's not. It's not the case, but. I don't know what such what sort of an ideological interpretation of the concept of action means. So the more reasonable uh, charge would then be to say that, well, it's in the logic. The logic is always um, twisted a little bit towards a defense of free markets. Well that's pretty easy to point out then. If there are such flaws in the logic uh, that take a stand for markets and against government or whatever. Then you should be pretty easy. It should be easy for you to identify this and show how it is uh, not actually logic, but instead ideology. The problem is that no one has done this, and I'm sure someone must have tried, but I I don't see how they could uh, come to the conclusion that it's ideological because it is just logic, hmm. right? So maybe maybe they they ideologically don't disagree with the logic itself, but that's just ridiculous. Uh, And logic itself is is not ideological. Um, So, I mean, my claim would be that, well, any empirical school opens up for ideological interpretations. Austrian economics does not. And Austrian economics is not a defense for markets. Austrian economics is simply a framework that helps us understand how markets work, and therefore also how regulations work, and how all kinds of impositions on on the sort of the free market system and free market meaning simply that what would happen and how does it work when people interact voluntarily with having private property so what would, what does that system look like a theory right and then you have all kinds of impositions on there so you can say well you you, you take out a tax or You can't produce these types of goods or what have you. How does that affect the market outcome and the market function? Well, if you look at those two, Austrian economics will tell you exactly uh, what those systems look like and how they're different, because it's the same framework and it's a framework for understanding what is going on. And if you understand Austrian economics, it's pretty intuitive to say, whoops, we should be really, really, really careful with regulations because regulations are super costly, especially over the long term. So it's not strange that most most Austrians are also libertarians, but it's they're not made libertarians. Well, or they're, they're not Austrians. Well, let's, let's see here. Most Austrians are probably Austrians because they found it for, because they had certain libertarian views before but it doesn't make Austrian economics the framework in any sense libertarian. Unless it is the case that we've all screwed up the logic because of our libertarian tinted glasses. Well, but then any socialist can step in and, and just point out the error, mm-hmm. right? So uh, I think it's a, a totally unfair and re- pretty, it's, it's a dishonest if not ignorant uh, charge that Austrian economics is just there to um, to provide a support for free markets, because it's not—it's it, pretty obvious. If you if you re- learn anything about Austrian economics and the Austrian method that we use of Mises formalized praxeology that you mentioned before, then you you immediately see that whoops the the scope for or or the potential for ideology in this framework is practically zero. And uh, if if you want to charge that it is ideological because you disagree with with uh, the theory itself. I mean, then, then you need to prove that. You can't just make that charge because you dislike something. I just like saying that, well, I really think that people should be able to fly by flapping their arms. So yeah, physics is really ideological and I, I reject it all because they believe in gravity and such things. I mean, it's not about belief in gravity. It's, it's that gravity is actually there. Uh, granted, we haven't explained what what gravity actually is. So in physics, maybe they, they don't have anything but just calling it gravity. In economics, we we know and understand the details of all of these things. So economics is more reliable and more de- more developed than physics. But that's a different matter. Right? It's not ideological just because you don't like the outcomes. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it's I, th- I would say that critics of Austrian economics they really scientifically have a huge uphill battle. So that's why they rely on ideology instead to dismiss it, Austrian economics, for the simple reason that they can't find any flaws in the theory. They can't find any flaws in the methodology, so they have to dismiss the whole thing, saying, that "Oh, it's just ideology," right? Because mm-hmm. they they are incapable of criticizing it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think I think you kind of hit home where that comes from because. Uh, You'll see routinely when you bring up Austrian economics to people who are vaguely aware of it, they'll just go that that's just libertarian, you know, um, sophistry or or just some some way to 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 prove libertarianism. But yeah, I, and you, it's
0: it is a problem for us, right? Mm-hmm. That that most Austrians are also libertarians. I mean, I think it's Walter Bloch who said that we really, really want need a an Austrian socialist. And I think he's right in, in, in terms of the communication with and sort of the marketing of Austrian economics, we definitely need a bunch of socialists who are Austrians. And and there's no reason why you couldn't be socialist and an Austrian. And, and I mean, the founders, the founding generations of Austrian economics, they were not libertarians either. So uh, it's not that all necessary. The problem, though, is when you learn uh, the framework and when you learn... Economic reasoning, you realize that regulations and these things are so darn costly, way beyond what most people believe. That it would be hard to stay a socialist, Mm -hmm. but you can still, of course, say that. Well, I still believe in the ideal, even though I recognize that it's it's going to be really, really difficult and probably impossible. Uh, But I still think that it's worth pursuing these ends and these goals. So I still want to, as a socialist, uh, abolish private property and, and what else. Right? You can still do that. That's not an issue. But of course, it's it's not appetizing for a socialist to look at Austrian economics because if you're a socialist, you, you really don't wanna, want to learn about the costs involved with socialism.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that is where a lot of people get this misconception is because it Austrian economics does produce a lot of like libertarian results and, and libertarian leanings in people and I, I you know the the proud person in me wants to just say well that's because you know it's true like it when when you look at things by truth you know you you get to libertarian ends but it, it does present a problem for marketing when you know all your economists, your your mainstream economists, are libertarians, and some of the, your biggest ideas too. You know, economic calculation problem was used as a debunking of socialism. And yeah, exactly.
0: I mean, another way I, it's it's a common misconception as well that I, I, I typically point out, point it out like this. That yeah, most Austrians are libertarians, but most libertarians are not Austrians. So it's not the case that it's, it's sort of a one to one relationship between Austrianism if you want to call it that and and libertarianism it's not most most libertarians are a Chicago school, and Austrians do not approve of the of the uh chicago school and I would say it's it's wrong for the same reasons as Keynesian economics is wrong uh and it's it's really a a theory that is on on shaky grounds to say the least um and one that is it's not a, in only opening up to, but is actually in its foundations supportive of central planning, uh, for for the wrong reasons. So its assumptions are flawed, uh, which is a huge problem for I would I would think for libertarians using the Chicago school as argument, and they can do so only because it's so influential in both economics and in policy. But it's I mean dismissing. Uh, austrian economics is simply libertarian economics that, that's simply not true if you look at the numbers because i i doubt even 10 percent of libertarians are austrians mm-hmm.
1: yeah I, I i think you're you're definitely right on that it is a very it is the inverse of the relationship critics like to say you know um austrians tend to be libertarians but libertarians don't tend to be austrians um you know, get, and 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 I think that's that's true. Just observing the general pool of libertarians and the fact that I th- I think if you went down and um, you know somehow pooled a group of only libertarians, you know, you would you wouldn't find a lot of them even knew you know the very basics of what the Austrian school is or what it is at all, and so and they would be
0: pretty vocal at uh, rejecting it too. Mm-hmm. So 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 that charge too is sort of based on on. On misconceptions and ignorance.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I the next thing I kind of wanted to go into and in, in talk about is um, the disagreements within the Austrian school because I, I think there's a tendency to think there's also uniformity of opinion within the school on um, various things. And what, it, what I've learned as I dive deeper into the Austrian world is that that's very much not the case. Um, you know, there's the uniformity on basic assumptions like value is subjective and things like that. But we have areas, and I think one of the particular ones is, is banking, um, where there are massive disagreements between even people who are Austrians. And um, I kind of wanted to get into what those disagreements are and, and why they exi- why the Austrian school is not a school of f- complete uniformity on opinions.
0: Yeah, because you would expect it to be, right? When, when the theory is a purely deductive framework uh, coming out of the, the action axiom, you would expect everybody to to believe the same things. But I think that it, that is, again, looking at the world from the eyes of someone who's only seeing status quo. Uh, the, if Austrian economics was a, a finished product, if it had already derived all truths and everything there is to know about the economy and, and about society... Then we could have this discussion, but because it is not, and we're, it's still in development, just like any science, it, it's it's not done. N- nothing is really settled. Um, even even the action axiom, maybe someone will come up with a, a better way of defining it. I mean, I doubt it, but but who would know, right? And, and who would know what kind of errors in 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 uh, derived truths and theses. Uh, people might find in the future it's an ongoing discussion and it's an ongoing discussion because it should be it's sound for a science to have an ongoing discussion and not just say that, oh it's settled let's just sit back and rest because we not now know everything because there are new things to discover new things to uh to explain new new phenomena that, that we didn't think of before but that suddenly exist i mean say uber and, and the uh ride sharing like there's a whole sharing economy if you go back thirty years, no one really th- thought of this stuff at all. Uh, we can we can still have the tools to explain these things, but maybe we needed to look at some more uh, specific details in the theory, maybe extended a little further in in one direction that where we didn't think of going before, uh, because there were no phenomena, so we weren't interested in and in our imagination didn't actually go there either. But now with these examples, we we want to go there and we want to explain what is actually going on, right? So so that that we have different views and opinions and we have this co- constant, continuous debate is just a it's a it's a sign that things are are right. It's it's not a weakness, right? It's it's a strength and it's a, it's a product under development. But to to your example about banking, I mean, very often these are. Banking is is, is often, I would say, it's somewhat Austrian, but then the conclusion about which system is better and so forth, that's a a policy issue. It's not Austrian economics anymore. So Austrian economics should really explain how free banking works and how uh, 100% commodity money works and how the fiat banking system works and so forth, and describe and explain how are they different, what are the effects on outcomes, what distortions, if any, uh, come out of the, of the system? The way the system works, right? And and people have different uh, views on on how strongly um, or what distortions arise, and and what the what what the magnitude of the effect might be. Because theory doesn't necessarily tell us about magnitudes; it tells us about structure, and it takes, takes tells us about say whether something will increase or decrease as a result but not necessarily how much because that's how people act and 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 not that they act if that makes sense
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i i think you're 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 definitely right on that and and that you kind of get at what what the austrian school really is and and not what it isn't in, in the eyes of a lot of people, which is this uniform theory that only gives us these conclusions, and you can't have any other conclusions. But yeah, I think you know, um, we, we really get into uh, what that is, and I think it, people understand Austrian economics a lot more when they have these things kind of cleared up for them. So, um,
0: yeah, and people have different interests too, right? So, <clears throat> some people might be more interested in, say, the function of prices as information. And someone might have more interest in prices and their function for allocating resources. And someone might, like myself, would be more interested in seeing, well, prices, how do prices affect entrepreneurs and how do entrepreneurs affect prices? I mean, it's the same concept of prices. It's probably the same price theory. Um, In Austrian economics, it's the same, where do prices come from and what do they represent and so forth. But then studying, what is the information value of prices? I mean, that's a specialization that some people have, and some people are simply not interested in it. And then the entrepreneurship aspect of it is another way that you can specialize and look at. And and <clears throat> maybe we will find common ground at some point, but we're probably moving in different directions too and and discovering new uh, new things and new knowledge that we didn't have before. And that's just sound, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I- I think we got to what Austrian economics is, and, and clearing up a lot of misconceptions about it. So, um, you know, I think I, I wanted to kind of wrap up it, that um, because I think we, we we went in a good area and covered a lot of good ground. So, I wanted to give now the floor to you, as I have before, to to promote any of the things you're doing, and of course to promote the subject of of today's discussion.
0: Yeah, so like you mentioned, I have a new book that was recently launched, and it's. I think that the backstory sort of makes sense to to tell to your your listeners, that le- just like you mentioned, that we don't really have a go-to uh, resource when people ask, "Oh, what is this Austrian economics thing you're talking about?" or "Why are you so interested in the economics of Austria?" Uh, and then to to tell them that, well, read this, and very often people who who get to know about Austrian economics, they, they contact me and probably you too, and they say, well, what, where should I start? What, what's the first book I should read to get sort of an overview? And that's been really, really difficult because uh, you can give them some, something like Henry Hazlitz's, uh economics in one lesson, which will give you a su- super start in understanding economics, but it is really just one lesson. It's the lesson of opportunity cost. And then you have, what is it? 35, 40 chapters discussing opportunity costs over and over again in different, uh, applied on different situations and different policies and so forth. But you don't get further than that. So how do, you, how do you move from opportunity cost to business cycles or the price system? That's not obvious you need to pick up another book. Um, and, and there are some introductions that sort of go through Austrian economics. Many of them are, are historical. So they go through the history of economic theorizing in the Austrian school. It's also not what most people are interested in. I mean, I, I th- find it fascinating and really interesting myself, but it's not how to learn Austrian economics. Then you have some uh, introductory books that are either like Bob Murphy's Choice, which is practically a, a summary of Mises' human action rather than an introduction to the topic, right? So it's, it's discussing what this, this magnum opus of Mises is, uh, is about. I think it is a chapter by chapter, pretty much. And then you have some introductions which are published by academic publishers, which means you're going to have to you have to go, going to have to pay like eighty or hundred or two hundred dollars to get a copy of it. Um, so it, it it's not obvious where to start at all, and none of these are really suitable for say you are at, at Thanksgiving dinner and and you're you're. Your aunt or grandma says oh you're you're I'm really fascinated that that you're so so passionate about Austrian economics. I'm going to talk about economics all the time, but, but what is it how, how can I figure out what the heck you're talking about pretty much all right so so the idea was to produce a very brief introduction that is sort of comprehensive or at least touches on all aspects of Austrian economics and does so in a, in a language that is in a sense, Henry Hazlitt's "Economics in One Lesson" so it's easy, it's a uh, punchy, it's to the point. Anyone can read it and understand. Uh, and yet, it's it's sort of truthful to the theory, and doesn't uh, have any any errors or, or misconceptions or shortcuts or anything like that. So the task that I had when writing this after after I was talking with Jeff Dice, the president of the Mises Institute about it, uh, was to produce a book that is sort of a a comprehensive overview of Austrian economics. So easy to understand that your grandma should be able to take the book and read it. It should be short enough that it's not intimidating. So what we figured was a good, um, good aim was to keep it under half the length of economics in one lesson. And I think I succeeded uh, at least with the length part because it's a uh, it's little less than than half of economics in one lesson uh, and it does cover all of economics um to the extent possible of course whether it is as easy to understand and as good as i hoped for this for someone else too <laughs> i mean it's not not really my task or my job to, to say that uh to let the market decide right but to go through the book re- really quickly i mean it's 142 pages total but that that includes everything in the book that includes the index at the end it includes a number of pages of of uh, further readings for whoever wants to go d- dig deeper into certain topics uh, it includes a a dedication of the preface and the donors and everything like that so it's much more like 120 pages maybe in in terms of text and the the font is pretty big so it's it's definitely not an intimidating book and it's definitely not a a a, a difficult book and it's written in three parts um, so the first part has three chapters just deals with what economics is what the heck does economics study, what is it for um, how do we do it things like that, so a little bit what we talked about before about praxeology and what, what the role of economic theory is so that people can be on the same page there and, and that's just like 20 pages 25 pages something like that so 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 it should be something that most people could go through even if they don't really are interested in in methodological issues and things like that they should be able to read all all of that part of the book without falling asleep Uh, the second part is sort of the meat of the whole thing it's 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 the market i call it It's, it's discusses different aspects of the market to how it is a process and and the role of production what production actually means economically speaking the role of entrepreneurship in this uh prices where they come from what money means economic calculations and so forth and then i end uh with a third part with intervention so i have one chapter where i go through um the uh, the boom bust cycle the Austrian, austrian theory of the business cycle um, and one chapter where I go through regulations in general which uh, as you're aware I have a book on regulations and their impact on the economy and, and what they actually mean and it's sort of a I wouldn't say a summary of that book because it's not but it, it draws from the book anyway and my findings there and then I simply have a conclusion to round things off and, and, and tie up uh, loose ends but it should be uh, my wife ro- uh, read it and she read it easily in one afternoon so uh the point is to get anyone who, whether they know economics or not, to get a quick intro to what do Austrians think, what does Austrian theory say, why does it say it, and where do Austrians stand. And then from there they can dig deeper into whatever they're interested in and start reading sort of heavier books.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I and, you know, I'm very glad we have this book now because as we have said multiple times now it's been a very much a challenge to kind of give something very intro to people that that is easy and accessible to read and um just through my musings and going through the book myself i i haven't finished it but it's so far it's it's definitely that and uh, as you described so i'm very Good glad day. we have that and um i'm going to make sure that I, I i link in the description that you guys where you guys can get it because um as of right now it's five dollars I don't know if it'll still be five dollars when it comes out uh, is, is that going to be the 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 permanent price or
0: I think so I mean it depends on where you pick it up to right yes. so so already uh the PDF and the epub versions are available and there's no cost at all I mean you just you need the bandwidth to download them that's it <laughs> uh, there's a Kindle version for two ninety nine at Amazon um there's a five buck uh Five bucks a paperback from the Mesa store you can get it from amazon.com too but there it's eight bu- eight dollars and I'm, I'm guessing that is partly because of fees to amazon and whatnot else right mm-hmm. uh, i don't think the prices are going to change uh, if they change they might go down a little bit or well i guess with inflation they might go up who knows but <laughs> but I, I don't think that is the that is the 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 goal right mm-hmm. so and and already, I know people in at least four countries who have bought the uh, the book from their national yeah. Amazon. Uh, so so I mean it's available a little here and there, and of course there are, there are more versions coming too. I hope for an audio version eventually, but there isn't one mm-hmm. n- not yet anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, and um, so I'll make sure that people have access to the. Um, the online version and as well where you can get a physical copy because I know uh, myself I'm very much I'd like to have a physical copy but I know some people are satisfied with eBooks. so I'll be giving both in the description and uh, I want to thank you again for coming on again Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you and uh, so thank you again
0: thanks for having me and thanks for this opportunity Peyton
1: yeah no problem have a wonderful day We must stop the terror. I call upon all
0: nations to do everything they can to stop these terrorist killers. Thank you. Now watch this drive.